It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Saturday night prayer services are really good. Uh, y'all need to come be a part of those. We've had, we've had good crowds the past couple of weeks. Uh, they're just a wonderful time. And it's, it's a little more than just, you know, asking and say, well, I need this prayer request. We're actually just worshiping God and thanking God for the answers, what we're doing. And it's, that makes it a little different. I know uh, it's a little different when you do it that way, but I try to, try to you know, make a lead as example of how to do it and things like that. And uh, I tell you, it's really neat. You know, once you've prayed, that you need to believe you receive. You know, once you've asked God, I mean, coming to God every day asking for the same thing, that's not faith. Uh, but once you pray, you need to believe you receive, and that involves your worship. And I guarantee you, your worship unto God will accelerate the answer into your life. And a lot of times, of course, we need to ta- be taught by the Word, but there are also times we need to be taught by example. Amen? And so we just, uh, you know, worshiping the Lord, thanking God for our building. We take the first 30 minutes and we just thank God for our building. We thank God for our contractors. We thank God for all that's going on out there. And then uh, we take the second 30 minutes and people uh, write in the, uh, 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 we have little pens and uh, paper up there where you can write down, this is what I'm believing I receive. And so we'll thank God for healing and thank God for finances and breakthroughs in families. And it'll really help you to accelerate down that path in getting that answer manifested in your life. Amen. Listen, one of the things about faith is, is you should not be near as excited when the answer comes as you are when it came by the word. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen, if you wait till after the walls fall to shout, you'll never see the walls fall. You got to learn to shout before they fall. And if you'll do that, if you'll come on those Saturday night meetings, we'll teach you how to do that. It'll be a blessing to your life. Romans 5 this morning. Let's pick up where we left off last week. We were talking about, you know, glorying in tribulation and shouting to the Lord when everything's going bad and getting up and running around the church and when it looks like the wheels fell off your joy wagon. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad everybody's excited about that. That's why you're here this morning, so we can work on you. Everybody say, work on me, Lord. Now, you know that all the problems of our life, many times uh, we, we, we give expression to them. There's a, you know, emotional release or, a, or a, you know, we act according to what's going on. You know, you get a bad report and your countenance falls and the smile comes off your face and your shoulders slump. And, you know, you give basically, for lack of a better word, we looked at it last week, you give glory to that problem. And the more you give glory to that problem, the worse that problem gets. It's just the way it is in life. But the good news is when you get a word from God, everybody say a word. When a rhema word comes into your heart and you realize that's my answer. Well, before the pain ever leaves your body, before the checks come in the mail, before whatever it is you're believing God for, you need to learn how to worship and glorify God. And in so doing, you know, you're not surprised. Now, what surprises you is the way God does things because he always does things in a way in which are exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. So there's always that, that extra bonus of how God does things. So Romans chapter 5, we'll just kind of review a couple of things and we'll get into what we have for today. Verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me just say this. That's the only way to have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm out there working hard, Pastor. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm picking up stray cats and hitchhikers and, and giving money to people living under. The, that's not going to get you peace with God. 
Peace with God only comes through Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen than that? It says, by whom or by Jesus also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let me read that in the Amplified. It says, through him also we have our access, our entrance, our introduction by faith into this grace. Everybody say, this grace. Now remember last week we talked about this. How many remember putting on your grace suit? We talked about going into space. If you went into space and all you had on was your cowboy boots, your wranglers, and your, and your, and your, and your 10-gallon hat, you know, we are from Texas, amen. Uh, you step outside of that space capsule, immediately you'd be destroyed. Why? Didn't have on your space suit because there's a certain suit you need to go into environments that are detrimental to you. Are you with me? Now, uh, the fight of faith. If you don't have grace in that fight of faith, the fight of faith can be detrimental to you. The enemy has a way of messing with your mind, eroding your faith, especially when it comes to the time element. But I guarantee you, if you learn to access the grace that you need, you can go through anything. And you can go through it with a smile. You can go through it with a, kick, a, 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 a skip in your step, a smile on your face. And, and, and you can have joy and you can have peace in the midst of all of it, no matter what you're going through. You say, why? Because you've accessed grace. Amen. Now notice again, it says, by faith into this grace, uh, wherein we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exalt in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Now notice those two words, experiencing and enjoying. Oh, come on, church. God wants you to experience and enjoy. Everybody say experience and enjoy. Now, I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches meeting today on Sunday. They don't preach this. They don't tell you you're ever going to. Now, they'll tell you there is a God, but they're not going to tell you anything about how to experience God. But I'm telling you, around, you come around here, you hang around here long enough, you're going to experience God. You're going to figure out God loves you. You're going to figure out God cares about you. He wants to touch your life, and you will experience God. And God wants that for each and every individual for you to experience and enjoy His glory. And then we went over and looked in verse 3 where it says this, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Now, most people, they say, what is that? What do you mean glory in tribulation? All people, all humans on the planet have glory. David talks about it in the book of Psalms. The prophets talk about it. Your glory is that which is in you, which you express out of you, which pushes you beyond the limits of your character. Amen. Anybody ever been to an excited baseball game, exciting football game, and you acted differently there than you do every day? Well, you had football glory, baseball glory. Amen. Catching a big fish glory. Uh, uh, we were, we were uh, fishing. Uh, a friend of mine is a guy in, in, in East Bay, and so we were fishing, and I, and I hooked this redfish, and this redfish was swimming around, and it made a pass, and when it made a pass, it rolled. And when it rolled, there was a big red stripe on its side. And my, my fishing guide, Brian, he said, that's a star tag. And for you that don't know what a star tag, they have a contest. It's like 35 bucks. It goes on from Memorial Day through Labor Day. And if you catch a tag redfish, you get a free truck and a free boat. <laughs> Amen. Well, when that fish went by and I, and I gl gl glanced at that, at that red stripe, and he said, that's a star tag, I immediately gloried. Yeah. Woo, Yeah. I'll take that Star Trek, but it wasn't. It's where a porpoise had bit him and played with him, you know. 
anyway, I, I, listen, I'd, ra- I'd rather be close and miss it by a little than not even shoot at it. Amen. But anyway, all of us have a, a dimension of glory in us. Amen. So when tribulation, when trial, when trouble, when temptation comes, the Word of God instructs us to glory in that tribulation, to let something out of you. Say, well, what's in me? The Word of God's in you. The anointing's in you. Expectancy is in you. You begin to thank God, worship God. Sometimes you got to step out of your character. We used to minister down in West Columbia, Texas for uh, pastors of uh, of, uh, B.B. and Velma Hankins. And uh, uh, Pastor Velma, she had a a great reputation. She had fought depression young in her life. And and it almost destroyed her. But thank God she stood on the word. She got the victory. So every time that the Spirit of God would get moving, she'd get up and run around the church. And she'd get up and run. And every time I preached there, she ran around the church. So I was talking to her son one day, and I said, yeah, every time I preached at your daddy's church, your mama ran around the church. He goes, my mama runs around the church every service. Hey, man, what's she doing? No matter what's going on in the church, no matter what's going on in her family, no matter what's going on in her life, she is getting up, running around the church, glory, stepping outside the character, outside the boundaries of her character, glorying in a tribulation. Every believer, you've got to learn to do that. Don't give your glory to the problem. Give your glory to God. Give your glory to God. Worship God. Shout to the Lord. Run, dance, laugh. Tell the devil he's a liar. Now remember, this is, all, this is all preparatory work for us to walk in the authority of God, the authority of the believer. Listen, so many Christians don't realize how much power you have on the inside of you. You've got Holy Ghost power. You've got the Word of God power. You've got the power that faith produces. Brother, Brother John Osteen said to me, right after I graduated from Bible school, we were having lunch with him. He looked at me, I wrote it down in my Bible. He said, Rusty, if you realize the power that was put into you in the last nine months, you get up in the morning and turn the world in the opposite direction. You've got power in you. I said, you got power in you, but you have to learn how to release it. Now, now I'll give this illustration. We'll give it again here in the next couple of weeks when we get an ap- actual application of this authority. But I always tell the story of when I got my first shotgun when I was 12 years old. And how, you know, I got this little uh, single shot, 410 shotgun, and, and it came in three pieces, the, the stock, the barrel, and the forearm. And I put it together and I took it apart and put it together. And at the end of the night on Christmas Eve, my dad, he took it away from me and put it in his closet. Well, I didn't think that was fair. That was my gun. I wanted to sleep with it. Amen. But he was not trying to take something from me. He was trying to protect me because I did not have the character to possess it. Amen? Now, now, two years ago, two years ago, I uh, was invited to come to uh, southern Colorado to preach a three-day uh, 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 revival meeting. And so the pastor, he said, look, Rusty, he said, if you'll come up, we'll start on Sunday. We'll do Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. But if you will, come up on Thursday. And I said, well, why do you want me to come up on Thursday? He said, I want to take you antelope hunting. I said, cool, I'd like to do that. So he said, get on the website, and you can get your license. and get on. So I got on the website and found out that if I was going to go to Colorado to hunt an antelope, I was going to have to take the hunter's safety course in Texas and produce a card that said I'd gone through the hunter's safety course. I've been a hunter for 45 years. i got a house full of guns. I thought to myself, why in the world do I have to go take this stupid course? 
So on a Saturday, I went down over to Lamarck to a Baptist church over there. Actually, a friend of mine was, was running the course, and I walked in there, and there's all these kids, because when you're, you're a certain age, you got to go through and There's all these kids. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, what am I doing in here? And so I sat there eight hours and went through all everything, made 100 on the test, amen. <laughs> but here's the good news. When I walked into that wildlife department office there in, Col- in Lamar, Colorado, I had, my, I had my certificate. I had it, and it gave me benefits. They didn't even hesitate. They just wrote out my license. They wrote out my permit. They handed it to me, and I got a big, pretty antelope hanging on the wall in my house right now. Amen? But I had to go through the protocol so that I would have the authority and the right to do it. It's the same thing true with authority. You've got to go through some of this protocol. You've got to learn how to glory in tribulation. You've got to learn how to walk in these things so that when you say in the name of Jesus, the devil runs from you and start terror. Now, we looked at this last week. Not only so, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Everybody say patience. Cheerful endurance. Everybody smile. (laughs) Cheerful endurance. With some consistency, we need to have patience at work. Everybody say at work. Now, I heard somebody preach one time that that tribulation will give you patience. It won't. How many have ever been through tribulation and didn't give you a lick of patience? Didn't give you any patience at all. You were so so anxious to get out of that problem. Listen, tribulation doesn't produce it. Tribulation, when you glory in the midst of it, when you count it all joy, that what you're going through, what happens is you access that grace where time doesn't matter anymore. You step into a realm of God in which right in the middle of what you're going through, patience steps up and goes to work. Amen. Amen. Some of you just need to walk in patience. You just need to get rid of that anxiety. You need to get rid of all of the worry and, the, and all of the turmoil that goes through going through the problems of life and just learn how to rejoice in God and glorify His name and let patience go to work. Amen. Now, notice this. Then we have what? Uh, and patience experience. We talked about this is not negative life experiences. Remember the term we used last week, kind of killed a sacred cow. Experience is the best teacher. No, it's not. How many stupid things did you do over and over and over and over and I never learned a thing? Didn't teach you nothing. I mean, if, if I was to take off running down this aisle, which I'm not going to do, put my head down and run right through the sheetrock, you get the picture? And then right, right on that side of the sheetrock, there's a two-by-four. And so I hit my head on a two-by-four and cut my, cut my, my head wide open. Y'all, y'all, y'all got to pick me up, rush me to the emergency room, 40 stitches to close the, close the scar. So next week, you know, everybody comes to church, and then right where that wall is, there's some, some, some uh, you know, repair has been done. They're spackling over a big white spot. So I got to parents and say, I'm going to tell you by experience. That if you run at that wall and stick your head through it, there's a two-by-four right there, and you'll crack your head wide open, and I've got the scar to prove it. Now you'd, th- you'd probably think something like this. That's stupid. <laughs> Amen. But how many times that's exactly what we do? 
We put our head down in life. We take off running. We butt heads with all these things that are going on in life when God don't want you doing that. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. He wants to bless you. And then we end up with all these scars on us thinking we learned something. You ain't learned nothing. You learn by revelation. You learn by the Word of God. The type of experience God is talking about here is getting through things and having the testimony of it. The devil tried to kill me in 1994 with malaria. I got healed. Come on, church. The devil tried to destroy our ministry several times financially. God brought us through and blessed us. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? He wants you to have a powerful spiritual resume that produces confidence in you. That's exactly what God wants. Everybody say experience. And then experience hope. Everybody say hope. Now, the Bible says that hope, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. But you've got to understand, just like there's human faith and spiritual faith, there's human hope and spiritual hope. Now, human hope is always mixed with an element of doubt. My great illustration left. You say, what do you mean? They went off to Tennessee. But I had an illustration back in the late 80s and the early 90s of human hope. Some of you may relate to it, some of you not. But we always used to make the statement in September of every year around the Houston metropolitan area, Houston, Galveston, we'd say this, I hope the Oilers win the Super Bowl. Y'all remember those days? Can you hear an element of doubt in that statement? <laughs> they never did. Every time human hope rises up, there's always an element of doubt. You know, I hope it's not hot in July. Can you hear an element of doubt in that? I hope there's not one mosquito on Galveston Island this year. Most of you are going, yeah, me too, but no. Now, spiritual hope literally means the definition of spiritual hope. The Greek word for it is elpis. Ever say elpis. No, not Elvis, Elpis. <laughs> Amen? It means anticipation associated with pleasure. Now, notice, notice, the, notice the protocol here. You begin to glory in tribulation. As you glory in tribulation, grace begins to come on your life. As grace begins to come on your life, patience goes to work. As patience goes to work, you begin to get some experience on how to receive from God. As you get that experience, hope rises up. You begin to anticipate associated with the pleasure of you getting what you desire from God. Are you with me? Now, notice the next verse. And hope maketh not ashamed. Now, let me tell you, that's exactly, some of you in here, I know this by the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm preaching this this morning. Some of you, that's exactly what the devil is trying to do to you. He's trying to shame you. Here you go. Talk, they talk about healing at that church. You, healing. Look at you. You're, you, you're, you got stitches in your shoulder. Your, your shin hurts. Your, your, your teeth are out of... Uh, you talk about healing. And you, what do you mean healing? See, that's exactly how the devil talks to you. And listen to that preacher talking about prosperity and money. You know, no, you just give your money away over there. I don't mean anything. He just got your money. That's all it is. Got your money. That's not going to do it. See, he will try to shame you in every area of life in which you're fighting or struggling in a, in, in a battle. Did you? That's how he talks. He's a rat. I say he's a rat, but he's a dumb devil. Everybody say dumb devil. You say why is he a dumb devil? Because you made it here this morning. 
and you're getting information and you're going to understand by the time you leave here today, God is not ashamed of you and he is not ashamed of what you're going through. He knows you're in a, in a frail body. He knows your mind needs to be renewed. He knows there's an adversary called the devil. He knows all of this, and he is not ashamed of you or what you're going through. Amen. The Bible says, what hope maketh not ashamed. As long as you're expecting, as long as you know, God is going to come through. I know in whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he is able. I guarantee you, you'll never be ashamed of what you're going through. Now, notice what it says, though. Hope maketh not ashamed. Why? There's got to be a reason. Because the love of God, oh, my goodness. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now, you've got to get that, church. There's never, ever, if the word or the term or the phrase, the love of God is mentioned, never is it dormant. Never is it inactive. There's no stronger force in the world than the love of God. Oh, come on, church. You need to get that this morning. There's no stronger force. It is an active force. It is a moving force. It is a saving force. It is a restoring force. It is a healing force. It is a, it's a prosper, prospering force. Every, any force you need it to be, it will be there for you. And it is His love shed abroad in your heart. It's stronger than doctrine. It's stronger than religion. It's stronger than any problem you'll ever face. And I guarantee you, when you get acquainted with the love of God, it will change your life forever. Amen. Now, first of all, the love of God begins with you knowing God. You have to know Him. Everybody say, know Him. Now, there's a lot of people I know, but I don't know. Amen? Uh, in 1972... Back then, I used to rodeo, and, and so I had ways of getting into rodeos for free and stuff like that. And then I was at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo in 1972, and Elvis Presley was there. 72,000 screaming fans. He come flying out in a red Cadillac. You know, Lord Almighty, feel my temperature rising. I mean, he, that, off he went. That place went crazy. Amen. And I just, you know, I was I, I probably from here to the wall. You know, I was standing down, down, sitting down by the buck and shoots, right behind the buck and shoots. And bam, about from here to the wall for me. So I can say this, I know Elvis. But I really don't know Elvis. But I know Elvis. Like, let me just put it to you like this. I reckon, if I see him on TV, I, I reckon, that's Elvis. We, we, we were watching a movie the other day, and, and, and a Western. And I hadn't seen Elvis in many Westerns. And uh Flaming star, rising star, something like that. Anyway, she said, she said, that's Elvis. I thought, and I had to look for a minute. I said, oh, yeah, that's Elvis. You know why I could say that? I knew him. <laughs> but it's a limited knowledge. I recognize him when I see him. And the problem with a lot of believers is they know God because he passed by one time in a red Cadillac. You get the illustration? Yeah, I know God. No, you don't. Because here is the thing that will really heal your life. God loves you. Let me try that again. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how you have failed in life, no matter where you've gone, no matter how you've, you've, you can be a disappointment to everybody, every place, everywhere, God loves you. 
And his love is not an emotion. It's not a passive love. It's an active, powerful, all-inclusive love. He looks down upon you with compassion and mercy and grace. And he just says, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, I, I heard the phrase one time that a, uh, God's love is, is akin to a mother's love. And I heard the story about a, a farmer and his wife. They had one, one child, one male child. Way back, this is right at the end of the Depression. And that child grew up to be about 18 and left the farm. And went off and just, just lived a terrible life. And ended up in the penitentiary in Huntsville, Texas. And was going to go to the electric chair. And they sold the farm. And sold everything they had and moved into a home for the indigent just to finance the defense so that this boy would, would not get a, a, the electric chair but would get life in prison with no possibility of parole. And so uh, they, they, they gathered the money after several years of him being in prison and they went to visit him. And it was the mom and dad and they walked in and the dad was bitter. He was so bitter. He walked up, he said, listen, he said, I blame you for everything. We lost the farm. We lost our livelihood. We live in a home now for indigent people. We don't have any money. Our reputation is gone. Uh, you, 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 you shamed the family. You shamed us. This is what he said. He said, I want nothing to do with you. He said, I want nothing. He says, I disown you. Don't write me any letters. Don't ask me for nothing. I want nothing to do. And he turned and he walked out. He, and, and it was the guard that's telling the story, the guy that was the guard. He said, the mother fell on her knees and reached through the, through, through the, through the uh, bars of the cell and said, son, let me hold you. And she began to hold her son. She began to say, I know you've made mistakes. I know you've disappointed yourself, dis disappointed you, but I'm your mother, and I love you. I love you. And she began to embrace him, and he began to break and begin to weep. Listen, God's love is a thousand times greater than that. We were in the, in the bondage of sin and in the bondage of all the devil. God reached through those bars and he began to embrace us with his love. He began to, every one of you are here this morning because of the love of God. There's no other reason. The love of God has touched your life and set you free and blessed you. So you don't have to be ashamed. Why? The love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Now, we have to understand some things. First of all, there must be a response to his love. And in order to respond to his love, you have to know God. That I might know him was the cry of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Pastor Leah's prayer this morning, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. All those New Testament prayers are prayers that get you more and more acquainted with God. Because the more you know God, the more you know his love. And the more you know his love, the more you experience his grace, his mercy, his favor, and his goodness. How many want to do that? So you must respond. Now, once you figure out, once you figure out how much God loves you, you can love him back. You know, we did a, 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 one of our fall harvest conference three or four years ago. Uh, we titled it, uh, God is a Good God. And, and, and I was blown away how the concept of that has been lost in Christianity. How people blame God. Well, God broke my leg, and God gave me cancer, and God caused divorce. What's he trying to do? That's not God. God loves you. He loves all people with an unconditional, unmeasurable love. And once you see that in the Word, and just get a taste of it, oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you get a taste, it's easy to respond to him then. You say, how do I respond to the love of God? You begin to read about him. 
You begin to absorb his word. You begin to worship him. You begin to think. Your response to his love is to love him back. Amen. Amen. Now, go to, go to Matthew real quick. Let me show you something here. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Now, notice uh, uh, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. We'll look there in verse 34. Matthew 22, 34. Jesus is speaking here. He said, But when the Pharisees had heard that he, or Jesus, had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Verse 35, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, well, excuse me, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now notice that again. First great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now listen, it'd be hard to do that if we worship some idol. I mean, we had some, you know, stuffed alligator up here. You know, we want you to worship this alligator. He loves you, you'd think. Come on, church. We laugh at that, but how many people are trying that today? How many people are involved in some of, the, some of these ancient religions in which they worship idols and worship ideas, and they're trying to draw something from it, and nothing is there? There's reasons why we can love God with all of our heart. There's reasons why we can love God with all of our soul. There's reasons why we can love God with all of our mind. Amen? I tell the story all the time. Uh, uh, we have one daughter, Breland. She's overworking in, in the uh, uh, children's church right now. Uh, when she was little, you know, she was mama's babies, as all babies are when they're infants. And Leah kept trying to get a response out of Breland to me. And back then, I was still traveling a lot. And, and so I'd come home from a meeting, and, and Breland kept going. Uh, Leah kept going to Breland. Breland, there's daddy. Breland, there's daddy. Breland, there's daddy. And Breland was just like, she'd care less. You know, uh, but I kept working on her. I remember the first time I put her to sleep. Y'all want to hear this? Leah was always putting her to sleep. So I remember the first time I put her to sleep, I got in there, got her in the rocking chair, rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth, prayed in the Holy Ghost over us, praying over and everything. And she went sound asleep. I thought, oh, I've got this made. This is easy. And so I got her over to the crib and I picked her up to put her in the crib and her foot hung. In the, in the rail of the crib, and I didn't see that, and so I just flopped her down, and she started screaming, ah! I said, Leah, come get this child. But one day, I had come home from a meeting. I'd been gone several days, and I, and I pulled up in the driveway, and, and, and Leah was holding Breland, and they were, they came, we had a little kind of foyer at the back of our house. And as I came up and came up those stairs, she opened the door, and she goes, uh, Breland, there's Daddy. And Breland went like this. Well, you know, the day she was born, she was my daughter. But when she went like this, I was like, what do you want? I know you're little. You want a new car? Want a Rolex? What do you want? You just tell daddy. You just tell daddy. Daddy will give it to you. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm telling you, you got a better daddy than me. And he's looking for some from you. And all you got to do is respond to his love. Amen. Now listen, when you respond to his love, this is so important. 
when you respond to his love, you begin to see your own value. Now, let me say this to you. You are valuable to God. I don't care whatever anybody's ever told you about your life. If you've been beat up with words or beat up with, you know, poor self-esteem, nothing will take and heal your self-esteem by knowing God values me. It says in Isaiah, I have marked you in the palm of my hand. One translation says, I've tattooed your name in the palm of my hand. Amen. When you begin to realize I'm valuable, God cares about me. I love him. He loves me. I love him. He loves me. I love him. When you begin to realize that, then you can start loving yourself. And a lot of problem in Christianity, a lot of problems in Christianity, people don't like themselves. They, don't, they look in the mirror and say, I don't like myself. I'm a failure. Every time I try to, every time I try to serve God, I end up blowing. That doesn't matter to God. God just wants you to respond to his love. Sure, we need to read the word, study the word, pray, be a part of a local church, do all of those kind of things. But let me tell you one thing. Don't, no matter what you do or have not done, that has not canceled God's love in your life. And the problem is when you begin to reject the things of God, you don't read the word, you don't pray, you don't be involved in what God's doing in local churches and things like that, then you begin to devalue yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love me. Now notice the scripture. This will help you. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Uh, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Now, this is something that we must understand. Because people have said, well, you need to get saved, and you need to go out, and you need to love the world. You can't do that. You can't go out and love the unloved. You've got to love God first. Then you've got to love, 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 love yourself. Then you've got to love your neighbors. That's the church. John said, John the Revelator, he said, that's the way the whole world is going to know us. Not by how many miracles in our, are, is in our church. Not by how many people get out of wheelchairs. Not by the big, big buildings that we build. He's going to know them by the love you have one for another. That means people walk into the church and they see us loving one another. Which is an act. Just like faith is an act, love is an act. And we're setting foundation for the authority of the believer. And the authority of the believer operates by faith. And if you have no love, how is it going to operate? Amen? I mean, if I go hunting, I want a bullet in my gun. If I, if I, was happened to be, if I had to be a soldier in a battle somewhere, I'd need ammunition. God's love in you is your ammunition. It fuels your faith. We love God. Amen? He loves us. We love Him. We love ourselves. We love one another. Everybody say, I love my neighbor. You know, uh, next week is... It's Mission Sunday, and I was so proud of the church last week. Usually on Mission Sunday, our offering uh, takes care of about a quarter to a third of our missions giving. Last week it was over. Last month it was over half. You guys are getting it. I said somebody's getting it here. Amen. You're getting it. That means what? Every time we take money out of this church. And we give it to the Philippines. We give it to Africa. We give it to China. We give it to over into Europe where we're, where we're, where we're helping people over there. Uh, down into Nicaragua. Down into Guatemala. Down into Panama. All of these. You know what we're doing? We're loving. I said we're loving. We're loving. I remember when, the, who was it? Uh, Jerry and Jana. You know, uh, Jerry and Jana Lackey. We've supported them. Lord, when we were in field, probably 30 years, we've supported them. 
And they're in the, they're in the, 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 the Kalahari, where the Okobongo River comes into that beautiful delta down there. And the Bushmen, the people that live there, uh, a, young, a young couple, if they have a child and their first child is a daughter, they throw it in the river. There's crocodiles in the river. Most of them get eight. Well, Jerry and Janie were, walk, were walking. Their house is right there on that river. And they found a little, one of those little babies washed up on the, on the, on the riverbank, covered with ants. Covered with ants. And they, and they got the ants off of them. And Jana noticed a spark of life. So they begin to minister to it. Now that, 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 that little girl's their daughter. Mapua is her name. That's their daughter. She's about this tall now. And uh, uh, that touched their hearts. So they started a ministry to those people who would throw their children away and say, don't throw them away, bring them to us. We're a part of that. We give thousands and thousands, tens of thousands. Probably over the years we've given hundreds of thousands. You say, why? Because we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We love them in the Philippines. We love them in Africa. We love them all over, and we love them outside the four walls of the church. You say, why? That's part of being able to walk in the authority of God is walking in love because faith worketh by love. Now, one more point, and I'll help you. God knows what's coming at you. And anytime God gives you an opportunity to walk in love, He's attempting to fuel your faith. So if somebody comes into your life and you think, man, I think I'm going to move to Montana. Amen. Lee and I, we've befriended when we moved into the neighborhood we're currently in. A couple of the neighbors talked about this guy that lived down at the end of the road. And, you know, you walk by the property there and it's a little intimidating. And, you know, uh, so we just made a decision to be friendly and be nice. Wave at him, say hi, all this kind of stuff, you know, to love them, just to love them. And so uh, back right after deer season last year, I, I shot a nice deer, so I brought him some deer meat. And, you know, they, it was kind of, yesterday I took him some fish. Now, it was amazing because I had to go back in the afternoon and, and, and you know, get his attention. They came out the house and all this kind of stuff. And, and, I, and, I, and I gave him some fish and, said, and he was looking at me like, why are you doing this? And all the way back to his house, he'd go like this. He'd walk. He'd turn around and look. Take a few more steps. He'd turn around and look. Take a few more steps. He'd turn. So he's trying to figure out what kind of strings are connected to this. What's this guy want from me? But see, he's going to figure it out here pretty soon. No, I'm just loving you, buddy. I don't want nothing from you. I just want to give you Jesus. That's all I want to give you. So I'm going to have to love you a little while and soften you up. Then one day I'm going to hit you with the message, and you're going to be very able to receive it because somebody has been demonstrating the love of God. It's the unlovable, the unreachable, those that irritate you the worst that God will put into your life, and you'll think, Lord, may I shoot them? So I believe in love, but I'm considering murder. <laughs> Amen. You can't do that. I don't care who moves next door, across the street, or down the block. It, don't, it doesn't matter who moves into the cubicle next to you at work. Amen. I remember one time, oh, my Lord. First time I took Lear to Ireland. This was the early 90s. And uh, we... Uh, we were, we were on one of those Delta Airlines, and before we had gotten enough miles to fly first class, we were, you know, we were back in the cattle car and sitting on the bulkhead. 
And so we're sitting there, and, 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 and you know, Leah, she's a Holy Ghost woman, so she's always praying and confessing the word. She's saying, oh, I believe nobody's going to sit here. Nobody's going to sit here. You know, praise God. We've got three, just two of us, three seats. Glory to God. So this guy comes up the aisle, and he's looking, he's looking around, and this guy is the roughest looking, biggest person you ever sat in your life, saw in your life. And so he steps in. There's my seat here. And he moved. You know how the things come up? He says, we won't be needing these. <laughs> And he sits down in the window seat. Leah's in the middle seat, and I'm here. And when he sits down, we kind of go. <laughs> you remember that? And I look over at Leah like, have a nice trip. <laughs> Amen. And, man, it looked like it was going to be eight hours of misery. But, you know, we got talking to that guy and just kind of loving on him, and he found out who we And, you know, by the time that, that, that whole ordeal was over, it was all, everything was cool. But, man, we could have got an attitude real quick. We almost did. <laughs> Amen. I have to tell her about one time when she had to love me. Let me just say this. There's no way in a marriage where a man and woman walk in the God kind of love. There's no way they'll end up in a divorce court because of the love of God. It keeps you out of there. So we were flying. We are taking a group to Hawaii. And so it just so happened, you know, the man of faith and power had a first-class ticket. <laughs> and everybody else was back in coach. So I'm laid up there, you know, cruising 30,000 feet. And I feel this little hand on me, and it's breathing. Breland and Leah are sitting there, you know. And so, uh, uh, you know, they're sitting So they start talking to me, you know. This kind of, and so up comes the stewardess and says to Leah and Breland, uh, you can't be here. You're violating the integrity of first class. And so when she said that, I just reclined back in the chair and went like this. And Leah doesn't believe in divorce. She believes in murder. And so... Uh, <laughs> but I gave her a great opportunity to walk in love toward her husband. <laughs> Authority works. The name of Jesus works. The power of the Word of God works. But many times it does not work for us because we're not in faith and our faith is not fueled by our love walk. And just as important as your walk of faith is your love walk. And I guarantee you could, you could come up as I could with a list of people that have done you wrong. Amen? But the good news is you don't have to respond to the wrong that people do to you. You don't have to let people run over you. Walking in love is not a weakness. Walking in love is the ability to see people the way God sees them and to respond accordingly. And if you will do that, some of you here today, if you'll make that adjustment, God will fill your faith up and you will be fueled because faith worketh by love. And I guarantee you, your authority will work, your anointing will work, the blessings of God will increase, and you'll be glad you did it. Amen? Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Lord, we give you thanks now. Now, Lord, we see it in your Word. We see it in your Word. We access grace through Jesus Christ. We glory in tribulation. We thank you, Father. That puts that patience to work. Through that patience, we gain experience. Experience produces hope. And hope makes not a shame 
for the love of God, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. An unmeasurable love, a tangible love, an active love, a manifesting love. And because of that, we see how much you value us. Father, I thank you there's not one person in here today that is not the apple of your eye. Every one of us are your favorite child. Every one of us are the apple of your eye. Every one of us are highly valued and highly favored by you, Lord God. We thank you for that today. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.